Hi, this is Carl Edwards. We are going to revisit our very first podcast series on the hard facts of working with people. We think this is a timely topic again, as people are discarded so, so much as a commodity as companies make difficult decisions in a difficult economy. Listen in as we look at the hard facts of working with people. Welcome to Working Matters. I'm Claudia Rempel. And I'm Carl Edwards. I'm excited about today. We're uh, continuing our series on hard facts about working with people. And today we're starting with the hard fact that people need to contribute and make a difference. That's right. Being an employee doesn't necessarily mean that you're consigned over to enacting someone else's dream. It really gives people energy in what they do is if they get to be a part of it. They have a sense that who they uniquely are has made a difference benefiting the company boy, motivation levels will soar. It's interesting because most of what I hear from people these days is people don't want to work. They don't care what they do. They don't care about work. They just do the minimum so that oh, they yes. can just, you know, get by. I'm not hearing that employers think that their employees want to make a difference or contribute. Well, and there's plenty of evidence to suggest the opposite. But you know what I say to those things? Excuses. Those are leadership excuses. And our motto is no excuses. So we, we look at ourselves first, and then we look at what is making other people tick. There's a reason people aren't motivated, hate their jobs, don't try, are always trying to get more, trying to do as little as possible. And it usually has to do with what kind of environment you have structured as a leader. And you, we have inadvertently set things up in such a way that saps the energy right out of people. Yes, I can't tell you how many people I know are absolutely dead bored at work. Mm -hmm. And their excuse is, well, I don't want to ask for anything else because then, you know, I'm comfortable this way. I don't want anything else. And that's where we're in denial about the hard facts of work that we're working with people. These are not your computers. These are not tools. These are not commodities to exploit and milk every last ounce of blood out of. These are living, breathing human beings, and a hard fact about people is that how they feel and how engaged they come to work makes a big difference in how, how much results they can produce. How do you even get to the bottom line of even finding out if your employer employee wants to make a contribution? How do you find this out? It's a process of getting to know people, really. It's a very relational, casual matter, and it should be brought forward in the meeting process right up to time of interviewing as you're trying to get to know someone and what gets them excited and how they like to go about doing work. Are they a task-oriented person that likes to sit down with their to-do list and work their way through it and they get a high sense of accomplishment at the end of the day if they've done that? Or are they the type of person who likes, just give me the goals, give me what you're trying to accomplish, and let me figure out for myself how to get there? And that'll turn their juices on. People are very different. But if you give a goal area and a person the to-do list, they'll just die right on the vine because you took the fun part out of it for them, which was figuring out the best way to get there. And if you give a task-oriented person just some vague goals off in the future, they just are swimming, don't know what to do next. They don't know what you really want to look like and uh, they come alive when you tell them the outcome you're looking for and what you want what will make you happy then they come alive so it's a matter of getting to know people i'm sure the number one excuse you hear about getting to know people is it takes too much time it does take time that and that's a weakness of the interview process that in one or two encounters with each other we're trying to 
decide whether this is somebody who can fit into this team and, and meet our needs. And the same for uh, prospective employees. They're trying to get their a feel for the workplace dynamic that they're going to be plowing themselves into without ever experiencing it. And that's a, an enormous shortcoming. Now, we've all kind of worked with the kind of person who comes into a new job, let's say, in a new situation, and automatically they want to change absolutely everything. Ah, I know best. Mm-hmm. And if you have an employee like that, your starting point is to really take a chance on affirming it now, not letting them change everything, mm-hmm. but at least making your starting point of wanting to hear what they have to say and expressing interest in. If you show interest in it and believe that it can make a difference, then when they hear what portions of it you're not willing to go along with, what things you're not willing to change, they'll be more open to listening to your explanations. And instead of a kind of a confrontational encounter of, I want to do it my way and they won't let me do, versus they won't let me do anything, it becomes a more constructive dialogue. Well, it seems too that it it may be um, a catch-22. You have people who are constantly not invited into a contribution to a certain workplace. And that kind of makes you lazy. It kind of feeds itself. It makes you lazy. It makes you just automatically have a negative approach to work. Well, we reap what we sow. And if we sow an environment where all your job descriptions are structured around just a, a list of tasks that are involved, and it really doesn't matter to you who fills that slot or sits in that chair then you have created a situation where whoever does sit in that chair feels that it doesn't matter what they bring. And that does take the energy out of it. Mm-hmm. So again, we're starting with ourselves. So what we want to do if we want to get somebody motivated and excited about their job is we want to structure it as much as possible around the unique things that they bring to the table. Now, one of the things that we're about at Bold Enterprises is definitely that business principles, profits, those realities in business are important. And I think one of the things we want to stress is that, and I hear you saying, Carl, is that if you deal with the hard facts about working with people, that this actually makes a difference in business. That's crucial. That's crucial. If we change the subject and said, oh, you're just coming up with ideas of how to make work more pleasant or make people happy for its own sake. Those can be values for their own sake. Um, You're right. That would be incorrect. We're talking about what makes things work better, faster, more profitably, and it pulls together. uh, Those those Mm complement each other, that you can be motivated and and energetic and enjoy what you do, and that will result in more on the other side. But we don't want to diminish the human side because I think often what people hear is, you just want to make me feel good at work, so I'll work harder for you. Ah, yes. Well, that gets back to the, you know, exploiting and getting your ounce of blood out of people. I mean, if you really, if people are in the way, if they're just the kind of the unfortunate necessity of you not being able to do everything yourself, that's going to come across and that's going to come out in these other decisions. But if you really believe that people are your most valuable asset, and if you drew people alongside you with complementary skills and abilities that you would be able to exponentially increase what you're able to accomplish, then you would want those people to put as much of themselves into it as possible. And you would want to come alongside and resource that as much as possible because you knew in any and every way that you were helping them be successful, you know, the whole firm was going to benefit at the same time. So we, we, we have a f- false competition between people and profits that's really not out there. 
you can have you can be really nice to people and just fail as a company because you know this is a money based culture and we need to face that reality as well. You can be horrid to people and turn them over like you know parts in a machine and make lots of money and um, you know what we're suggesting is the kind of workplace where um, those those come together. People are collaborating and all pulling together as hard as possible, and having working hard and having fun go together. Fun is not the lack of work or the off playing or being on vacation all the time. It's knowing that when you show up, that what you give yourself to at your place employment is going to make a difference, and we get a charge out of that. It's core to being human. Well, in acknowledging that people need to contribute and make a difference, you really have to be open to change. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the difficult side of it. Uh, Another way of saying that is every time you hire someone new, your team has changed completely and the job descriptions need to adjust. And if you can do that, if you can say, okay, we have this role that looked one certain way when this particular individual filled it, now you're filling it. So the outcome needs to happen, but I'm open changing how you go about making that happen. And so on the most practical level, that's one thing people can do right away is revisit their team's job descriptions with them and structure them around their working styles, structure them around how they want to um, grow professionally and see what kind of, see what develops. Why wouldn't an employer want to tap into all this energy and creativity? Well, that's a good question. There's a lot of uh, fear, some well-placed out there, that if you give someone an opportunity to contribute and that they do, they'll be right back at the table with their hand out. Where's my raise? I want more money. And either you don't want to give it to them or you don't currently have it in the budget, so you don't want to take that risk. You, you don't want to, that to go along with the consequence of getting what happens. Another is you just don't want to create a sense of entitlement with people. You owe them some kind of custom job description, and when they're aboard you, it's your responsibility to deal with it. Now, those are all good points. Again, the leadership question becomes, am I allowing those good points to become an excuse for not facing the reality at all? And that's, that's your leadership tension always, is does this complicated aspect of this, am I allowing it to become an excuse for not facing a reality? And that's when that's the case you know you need to take action otherwise you know it becomes important criteria and you might couch how you structure things a little differently to address that well let's i'm curious let's address this issue of the work ethic in our culture because it seems like this is so pervasive for people um i find myself sometimes in a customer service position when someone's rude to me or not caring i find myself thinking oh they don't care about their job they don't want to do a good job so is this truly uh, something that we've invented, or is this, you know, in actuality, what's happening in a culture that people don't want to work? Well, I would lean it toward it being something we invented. And here's what I mean by that. It is a reality. You go many places and you just, it just feels like the icy cold hands of death are over the place. Everybody's so bored and so unhelpful. But I wouldn't place... I'm thinking Target. Are you? Okay. The <laughs> Please don't sue me. <laughs> But to place it at the people don't want to work, to place the responsibility on the people, that's where I think we make our mistake. I think the responsibility needs to be placed on the leaders and that we have structured that work environment in such a way that we are inviting people to hate what they do, that we are penalizing them for, for 
or contributing ideas, that we are too much of a risk involved in giving more than what's precisely required on their job description. We look into that kind of the culture of the whole community. We'll see that we've, there's built-in disincentives right and left to working hard. So I would shift the focus to leadership, and that's what and, and the lack of work ethic kind of flows from really that you reap what you sow. You've set up a situation, and you've gotten exactly what you've structured into it. Well, what's the common train of thought is that congressmen going to work two days a week? <laughs> yeah, and you have to, you know, there's some benefit from that. There's something advantageous about that, and that's where you have to look, not merely accusing them of not working. Well, I, I also want to um, maybe give some advice to the employee who may be in a, in a job where they're bored, but they see potential for their own contribution. How do you suggest they would approach a boss or a company? Well, as much as possible, I wouldn't approach at all. I would just go ahead and do. Mm. Just go ahead and throw in an idea occasionally. Just go ahead and go the extra mile. Just go ahead and help someone else get their job done and start demonstrating the positive results that come out of your involvement in these other areas so that they have an experience of you, a positive experience of you in expanded responsibilities. And then it becomes a matter when it's time to confront them with it or to address it explicitly, just a matter of recognizing in your job description and in your salary grade the reality that you have already begun stepping into. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, you've eliminated the risk for them. You're not asking them to go out on a limb for you, you're pre-demonstrating. Yes, I see. Probably more people would say, well, I don't do that because then they're going to take advantage of me or, or give me more work and not pay me for what I'm doing. But that's an excuse, too. That's an excuse, too. And so, what? And again, we're starting with ourselves. So the thing we have to recognize in there is why are we afraid? Where does the lack of trust come from? Why are we worried about these things? And address those causes. And then we all have the opportunity to make progress. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts on our uh, topic today. I think uh, next week we will be also continuing our series on the hard facts about working with people, and we'll be concentrating on the hard fact that people need to learn and develop in their job roles. Please visit us at www.boldenterprises.com, and we look forward to having you join us next week.